0: y'all can be seated. Thank you guys for being here tonight. I'm so excited to be here. Before we start any uh, net gathering, I like to give Jesus a round of applause because he's the reason we're here. So can we just thank him? You know, we can sing about God's reckless love, uh, but I'd love to show him appreciation. So thank you, JC, for being here tonight. Jesus Christ. Anyways, y'all better pick it up tonight. Pick it up tonight. Uh, Hey, we're in a series called Swipe Right, and we're in week three of this series. Uh, last A couple, two weeks ago, uh, Kelsey Popfus, uh preached an amazing message. She did a great job. Uh, so that will be online uh, this week. We finally got edited. And so the next, I think the two uh, messages we've done will be online. Um, and in this series, uh, we're really talking about the life and death power of sex and romance. That's what we're talking about in this series is the life and death power of sex and romance. And uh, recently, uh, I heard this story at the, at the share it with you. I heard this story uh, of a man who was driving his 1963 Thunderbird, 1963 Thunderbird. And that was the year that, uh, uh, that he was driving. It was 1963 and so this man uh, bought this car, and he was driving down the road. He was driving on a highway, and it was, he was in the midst of a gigantic uh, uh, rainstorm. And he was driving on bald tires. And so as he was driving, he actually hydroplaned, and he ran right into a semi, right into a semi. And so uh, as the uh, EMT workers and everybody else showed up, they thought, there's no way this guy's alive. Like, this guy has to be dead because they saw the car, and it was like, no way. And so, actually, that's what was written in the papers uh, for over two weeks was this guy who was driving this car uh, was actually dead, but he was actually alive. Somehow, uh, by God's grace, he survived the accident, and uh, he, uh, li- like, he recovered and lived a great life. He was actually in a body cast for eight weeks. He was, so, he, he had like 50 broken bones and lacerations all over his body. Barely survived, but he survived, and he was like in a body cast for eight weeks. Can you imagine being mummified for like eight weeks and not being able to move? I mean, how do you pee? How do you go to the bathroom? I don't know. These are the things my brain thinks about. Anyways, that's not my notes. A lot of this is not my notes. Anyways, and uh, so he ended up being fine, and so he lived lived this great life, and then 50 years later, 50 years later, this uh, older gentleman is uh, walking into a bank, and the metal detector goes off. The metal detector goes off, and so he goes through this whole ritual. You know, you take out your wallet, you take you know, take your shoes off, take keys out, uh, change whatever, and he goes through it again. And the metal detector, the metal detector goes off. So finally, he comes down to taking off his belt, and he goes through, and it goes off again. And he's like, "What the heck is going on?" And so I imagine they use that wand thing that they use at the airport, and they finally put the wand over his arm, and the metal detector started going off. And so what they found out was is that he had a seven-inch long piece of metal lodged in his arm that had stayed there for 50 years. It was actually, so as they took, (laughs) a lot of sympathy over there. And, uh, And so as they took it out, what they found was that it was actually the man's turn signal. It was the turn lever that was jammed into his arm. And so when he went to the hospital, he had all those lacerations that the the doctors just didn't know. And so they just sewed it up because, I mean, his whole body was just demolished. So they sewed it up, and it healed, and he was fine. And then so 50 years later, they pulled out a 7-inch turn lever signal thing out of his arm. And so you can actually look at... Uh, what's interesting is you can actually look at the story online, and you can see the old man. Uh, don't do it now. I can see if you're going to Google it. Don't do it. Uh, you can see the old man holding the turn lever, and he says that he's going to make it. Uh, he's going to make a keychain out of it. I don't know. Anyways, why do I tell you that story? The point of that story, the point, of, uh, the reason why I'm telling you that story, is long after an impact. Long after an impact is over, there can still be shrapnel that remains. Long after an impact is over, there can still be shrapnel that remains. And so tonight I'm calling this message The Things We Carry. The Things We Carry. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you do. Open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, if you have a, a paper Bible, we're going to have the. The verses on the screen—it's actually in the message. If you have it on your phone, on the on the U version app, you can go to like versions, and then MSG is uh, is the message version. So I'm going to be reading out of that tonight. Uh, but if you have notes as well, please, 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 please take notes tonight because you will only sci- uh, scientists scientists. I don't know, anyways, people say so, so, someone says scientists say that you remember five percent of what I talk about. So that gives me a lot of. You know, encouragement. When I'm writing these things, but you only remember about five percent. But you remember more if you write it down. So please, please take notes. And if you don't, I hate you forever. It's okay. So First Corinthians chapter six, uh, Paul is writing to uh, this church in. Corinth. And Corinth was a city and these people were called the Corinthians. And uh, so what Paul would do is Paul was uh, like a missionary. He he was a pastor and he would travel to all these different towns and he would establish churches. He would establish churches because he was a missionary. He'd go on all these missionary journeys. He'd go to a place, establish a church. But because Paul had this uh, this entrepreneurial, he, uh, was, he was more of a missionary type, he wouldn't stay there for long. He would establish a church and then go off. But then what he would do, because he knew that it was important for these believers uh, that he led to Christ and established, he knew it was important for them to continue to grow, what he would do is he would write letters to them because he couldn't be there. You know, they didn't have FaceTime. He, but, so he would say, he would write a letter, and he wrote two letters to the church in Corinth, and we're reading the first one. And so this is in First Corinthians, um, and also you need to know you need to know a little bit about Corinth. Okay, so the city of Corinth. Uh, just picture, just picture uh, New York uh, in the middle of Fashion Week, mixed with Vegas. This is the Midwest. I don't know what to use. Uh, I, I, Midwest. I mean, what's fancy to you guys? Uh, I'm from the Midwest too. So like, just picture uh, New York during Fashion Week mixed with Vegas mixed with Coachella. Does everybody know what that is? Okay, it was very swanky. It's a very swanky place, uh, but it was a very, very, very uh, messed up place. And so he was writing them to talk to them about this gift that God gave us uh, called sexuality. And he was writing, writing to them, in part, to really talk to them about the life and death power of sex and romance. And so a lot of the things, a lot of the things that Paul said to them, to us, would be like, duh, that's common sense. Like, one of the things he wrote to the Corinthians, <laughs> one of the things he wrote to the Corinthians was like, this is to the Corinthian church, okay? He's writing to believers in Corinth. You have to get that. And he says, don't have sex with prostitutes. Paul has to write to them and say, don't have sex with prostitutes. And you're in here and you're like, yeah, no, duh. But the church in Corinth was like, Oh, my gosh, don't have sex with prostitutes. I'm gonna, I better write this down. I'm going to take notes. I had sex with a prostitute before I came to church today. Thank you, Paul, for telling me this, you know, like, like that. But that's where the church was at at this time. And so what's so interesting, uh, what's so interesting to this, and this is, I love this because Paul is kind of like making religious people. Maybe there's some religious people in this room, but like it made religious people nervous, and it makes religious people in this room nervous because Paul is basically knocking down this house of cards of religiosity that you have to get yourself clean and and neat before you come to Jesus. Like he's knocking all of that down because by his own admission, he's writing to Christians in Corinth, and he has to tell Christians in Corinth, hey, stop having sex with prostitutes. So, is it, it is completely possible to be a hot mess yet still be a follower of Jesus. Because if you look at the church in Corinth, these people had Jesus. These people had the Holy Spirit. These people were saved by grace. They had the whole kitten, kitten and caboodle about life and death in Jesus. Like they had all of it, but Paul was still writing to them and instructing them this is what God wants for you in light of sex and sexuality. So, these people were saved by grace and headed to heaven. And so Paul knew something that we need to know too. And this is what you need to know tonight as well, is that Jesus Jesus cleans his fish after he catches them. Jesus cleans his fish after he catches them, thank you, Jesse. One person's with me tonight. I'm just gonna go ahead and preach, and you guys can catch up later. But Jesus cleans his fish after he catches them. And there's a hundred people in here, and ninety of you think that you have to get your life right before you come to know Jesus. You have to get clean before you know Jesus. You got to stop looking at pornography. You got to stop having sex before you know Jesus. Jesus says, "No, come to me, all all of you who are weary, all of you who are burdened, all of you who are messed up, all of you who are a hot mess. Your life is a wreck. But come to me, and then I." Will make you clean. I will change you. Okay, whatever. So, 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 so what God? So God uh, uses Paul here to help us understand what Jesus wants for us. We don't have to earn God's favor. You already have God's favor. You remember the song we just sang, folks? Like we, we will sing. There's no mountain you won't climb up. No shadow, something, and then like. You know, and there's no wall you won't kick down. We will sing that till the cows come home. But then we mess up or we struggle with self-sexual or we're struggling and we're like, Jesus doesn't love me. Man, I'm not good enough for him. Yeah. You just said he'll kick down any wall that, he, that, that, that is up. You think your sin's going to stop him from loving you? You think your sin's going to stop him from, from give, like, earning his favor? You've earned his favor. There's nothing else you can do to earn his favor. You have it. But, but thank God Paul wrote this because God has something to say about how we, uh, how we, condu- how we uh, use this gift called sexuality. And so thank God that, that Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth. And so hopefully it's going to be super helpful for all of us because maybe you're not, but I'm still in process with this. Like I haven't mastered this. I am not perfect at this. So for those of you who are perfect, uh, just bear with me as the rest of us try to catch up. With you, um, because I'm still in process. And so, so that's what's going on right here in First Corinthians. Yeah. That's what Paul's writing. And so here's the big idea. One of the big ideas tonight is this, is that there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Yeah. There's more to sex than more skin on skin. There's more to sex than more skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as it is physical fact. Write that down. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as it is physical fact. As it's written in Scripture, the two become one. The two become one. Let me pray just real quick. Father, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for the opportunity to speak. God, open up hard hearts, open up minds to hear uh, what you want them to hear tonight. God, help me to speak in a way that people would understand. God, we just invite your anointing into this room. And God, I pray that you be glorified through everything that we do. God, help us to understand uh, the life and death power of sex and romance. In Jesus' name, amen. I love Shark Week. Yeah. Transition, perfect. Nailed. Yes. Uh, does anybody else love Shark Week? Raise your hand if you love Shark Week. Six people. That's got to be a lot more people. I don't know what it is, but I love sharks. I'm scared the death of sharks, but I love sharks. Like when Shark Week happens, I don't go to church very much. I'm always like, I gotta meet with people. And uh, I'm actually like, a, I'm at Starbucks hoping someone comes by, but I'm on YouTube or, or National Geographic watching Shark Week. That's all pastors do anyways. is watch YouTube. Anyways, uh, and so I love Shark Week. I remember there's this one time in Shark Week where they, they keep, like, pushing the envelope on this thing. Before, like, years ago, it was like, let's put this fake seal out there. We're all going to be in this boat 200 feet away, and we're going to watch this great white. You know, it was like, that was cool footage for me. Like, I did not need to see. Any, so, But now they've got, like, guys who are like you know, 20 feet away from the shark on this, like, little tube thing, and he's got his GoPro and his, like, $200,000 camera, and he's 20 feet away from this fake seal, and it comes up, and I'm just like, if that was me, I would have to clean my wetsuit, like, 40 times. <laughs> like, this thing, you have a 2,000-pound animal, just fish, jump, is a fish that's, like, 2,000 pounds. Are you kidding? Anyways, I love shark week. Their teeth are huge. Anyways, mega shark, and uh, I was talking about something. So anyways, I love Shark Week, and uh, oh, and so uh, in his book, in Swipe Right, Levi Lesko's book, because this is Levi Lesko's content. This is not Adam Lynch content, all of it. Some of it's mine, but most of it's his. The good stuff's mine. Anyways. Uh, yeah. So anyways, uh, in this book, he talks about, uh, he talks about uh, Shark Week and how he loves Shark Week, and he was watching this one episode, and the narrator was talking about uh, the mating habits of, uh, of great white Uh, Sharks, mating habits, mean like how they have sex, okay, got it, so he's talking about how the mating habits of great white sharks, and he said that uh, you can tell which sharks are uh, sexually mature females, and in the book, he's like, how, like Levi Lesko is like, how can you tell which one's sexually mature, and in the book, he's like, the narrator like heard him and said, you can tell which uh, sharks, uh, female sharks are sexually mature, mature because of the scars, You can tell which ones are sexually mature because of their scars. And he says, and this is kind of crass, but he's like, you know, they have to be able to hold on to something. Because they're in the ocean kind of just floating. And so the male shark is a little aggressive. And so the female shark gets scars. And what's really interesting, the narrator said, is that female sharks have twice the thickness of skin as male sharks. And so, isn't that awesome that God would give them what they need uh, for that? And, and guys, like, the female species in anything is always going to be stronger and tougher. Like, like, if, you have been, like if, you're, if you're married and your wife has had a baby, or if, like, like, when you have a baby and you're in the room and you're watching your wife, like, look at you, like, I'm going to kill you because you did this to me. And then you see life come out of her. Like, there's no, if, if it was up to men to have babies, there'd be no more babies. It would have been Adam and Eve, and then it would have been over. Like, dude, the female, f- females are so much, women are so much tougher than men. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. So they have twice the level of uh, uh, skin thickness as males. And he also said, uh, like, if you see a, a female shark uh, swimming by, you can tell uh, she's a sexually mature female because her sides and her gills will be a battleground for scars. And and the last thing the guy said, the narrator said, was scars mean sex. Scars mean sex. And as I, I was reading this and Levi Lesko talked about it, I was like taken back and filled with a lot of emotion because I know how true this is. Like they're talking about sharks, but we're we're really all thinking about right now is people. We're all thinking about people. And I was thinking about me. I was thinking about the scars in my life. I was thinking about the scars in my life because of sexual sin, sexual things. And I think a lot of times, a lot of times when we see scars, it's often related to sex. Like, you know, people say, like, when you see smoke, there's often fire. But when it comes to to us, a lot of times when you see scars, somehow, somewhere, sex is often involved. And I know some of you in here tonight are probably thinking about that as well. I'm sure some of you in here tonight have scars because of sexual things. I mean, I just think about how many kids in America and how many kids in the world uh, have faced the difficulty and the horrors of being sexually molested. Uh, in the United States, it's 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 one out of uh, one out of uh, five or six boys that are sexually molested. Uh, in girls, it's about one out of four girls are sexually molested. You think about the rates of those who have had to face the horrors of forced intercourse. Twelve percent of women in the United States, twelve percent of the women in the United States, have faced the horror of forced intercourse. You think about the fact that twenty percent. 20, 20% of college co-eds experience, 20% of college co-eds experience some sort of sexual assault while uh, at college. And you just think about person after person, and you think about scar after scar after scar. And so scars often scars often mean sex. And so Paul is here and he's helping us understand that. Sex is a lot more than just skin on skin. Like sex is way more than this physical activity. Sex is so much more. Sex is just as much a spiritual mystery as it is a physical fact. As it's written in scripture, the two will become one. And a lot of times, you know, uh, a lot of times we have this conversation. It freaks people out. And maybe you're here tonight and we've been continuing this conversation since the third week and you're kind of like whoa this is my first time at the net and dude this is kind of heavy i kind of just wanted to come here and meet people i didn't really want to i didn't really want to deal with anything like this you know there's not a lot of churches talking about stuff like this, you know. A lot of, we said earlier a couple weeks ago that a lot of times pastors will stand up on a stage and talk about things that nobody wants to talk about, or they'll stand up on a stage and they're and they're going to answer questions to to they're going to answer questions that nobody's asking. And for me here in this ministry and at the net, and as long as God gives me breath as I'm preaching here or wherever else. I'm just not going to avoid the topics that that you're dealing with because I can come up here and preach on things that are good, but if it's not stuff that you're dealing with in your lives, what's the point? You guys can get better teaching somewhere else online. You can watch Levi Lesko give this sermon series online. And so for us in this ministry, it may feel heavy, but we got to talk about it because as I look out into this crowd, I see the pain in your eyes. I see the pain and the stuff that you have gone through. And so we can't avoid these topics. So in this series, we're going to make sure we open up that stinking book, and we're going to look at it. We're going to look at the Bible, and we're going to see what God has to say about sex and romance, because he has a lot to say about sex and romance, and he has a lot to say about our lives. And so my prayer is that God will help us look up. He'll help us to live right, help us to swipe right in God's sight so we can live for him, so we can live in a way that he wants us to live with the things going on uh, sexually in our lives. Okay. Okay. So I want to uh, I want to shine a light and I want to expose three different lies that a lot of us have been told about sex, okay? I want to shine a light on and expose three different lies, lies that we've all been told about sex. And the first lie is that sex is just physical. Sex is just a physical activity. The first lie is sex is just a physical activity. I read uh, in Rolling Stone an article where they were interviewing people uh, in their 20s, and they're interviewing people uh, that were teenagers. And one 29-year-old said that sex uh, is just like kissing. Sex is just like kissing. Uh, it's just two bodies touching. It's meaningless. There's no impact. And there was a song that was really quite refreshing because uh, it really speaks to how, how people say this. There was a song uh, that communicated this idea, and it was like when I was in middle school, and it was by the Bloodhound Gang, and I'm sure some of you know the lyrics. The lyrics go, you and me ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. Now, I know you didn't want to repeat the lyrics because, you know, but anyways, we all knew that, uh, and so you guys know this idea, right? Like, we've all been taught this idea that we are just animals, that we're all just uh, we're just really smart mud, or we're, we're monkeys with pants on, and we're just these, you know, we're just these animals, and we're going to do whatever animals do. You know, that's what the world will tell you, that we're all just animals, so we're just going to do whatever you want to do, do whatever you want to do, do whatever you want to do, because it's signed. but deep down, deep down, we all know that that's not true. We all know that's not, that's not true because when someone acts like an animal and grabs the back of a shark that they don't know or grabs the, shark, grabs the back of a shark where that shark's like, don't touch me, and does something sexually to that person, we're all appalled and we're all mad. Yeah, exactly. If we're all just animals and we're all just supposed to do what we're, we want to do, then when those things happen, nobody would be appalled. Nobody would be upset. Yeah. But we know more because we've been given more. God has given us more. God has given us more. And so we know better. There's a higher standard for us. And so we all know deep down the difference between right and wrong. We all know that there's something different. We all know that there's something bigger. We all know that there's something outside of us, and His name is God, and He's revealed Himself through His Son, Jesus. So we're not just animals. We're not just animals. Sex is more than just a physical activity. God has so much better and so much more for our lives than just to live by our basic instincts and do the things that we're, you know, compelled or our sinful nature tells us to do. So let me tell you this, sex is way more than just physical. It involves you, I want you to write this down, it involves you, it involves you on the deepest level. It involves you on the deepest level. And what this means is that your heart is involved. Your heart is involved. I was ice fishing when I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school, and that's what you did in Michigan, because I was hillbilly. Still am. Anyways, so uh, I had two guys uh, that knew I was a Christian, and uh, we were ice fishing and stuff. And he was like, <laughs> I remember him saying this like yesterday. He's like, they were just talking about stuff, you know, and he's talking about his girlfriend. He's like, yeah, we broke up because the sex, S-H-I, whatever, is, uh, is all about that love stuff. So I don't want to do that. I'm just going to mess around another way. So I'm not going to have sex with people because it's all about the love stuff. And here's a guy who did not believe in Jesus, but knew that sex is more than just physical. Yeah. I believe that's in every single person. I think that's that's innately in every single person. And so, sex is it involves every part of us on the deepest level. It means that your heart's involved. And uh, we said one of our key scriptures, and it's going to be up on the screen, is uh, Proverbs 4.23. And it says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring forth the issues of life. Another version says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And since what you do with your body connects with your heart and what happens with your heart impacts your whole life, we have to be careful with what we do with this gift called sexuality. And that's why only God can tell us how to use it. Like, he invented it. You know, a lot of times we say, thanks, God, for sex, but I'm going to perfect it. I'm going to do what I want with it. And God's like, um, yeah, I kind of have the patent on that. I have the patent hanging up on my wall. I invented it. So I think I have the right to tell you how to use sex. And so what God tells us how, how we're supposed to express sex is in the context of marriage. And, he said, and Paul refers to it in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, Uh, A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The two will become one flesh. He's talking about the marriage bed. Paul's talking about the marriage bed. And so Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he's saying, hey, like, I know you're going to see these prostitutes over here. I know you kind of got this side chick over here, and you got all this stuff going on. I know you're married, and you're cheating on your wife, or I know you're on Tinder, and you're doing this hit it and quit it thing. But, but there's so much, like, more. This is so much more than just a physical activity. Friends. Tonight, it is so much more than just a physical activity. What you don't understand is when God says to become one flesh, he's saying that you two are bonded. There's something else happening. There's something, it's not just a physical activity. There's something else happening in a spiritual way, in a spiritual realm. When you unite yourself with another person sexually, it's something else is happening. It's so much deeper than you can possibly think. Like, no microscope could see exactly what is happening when the two become one flesh. And what's happening, like, this two become one flesh is supposed to be a covenant between you and God. But every time you, you, you become one with person, it's you're, you're entering into, coven- into a fake covenant. And you have no idea. Maybe you do have an idea of the effect that has on you when someday you go to stand with the person that you want to stand with for the rest of your life this is impacting us on the deepest levels it's impacting you on the deepest levels and it informs a lot of how we communicate um, quite honestly a lot of times especially in, ter- in church anytime there's communication uh, about sex or stuff like this it's just it's just don't just don't you know, we said in church, the, the church. If they're not ignoring this, if they're not ignoring this subject, then oftentimes pastors are just saying, "Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Don't do this." And you're like, "Why?" They're like, "Because God said God said not to," which is right. You know, like that's good. Or pastors will say, "You're you're going to get an STD," or "You're going to shoot your eye out." I don't know what that means. But "You're going to shoot your eye out," or someone's going to get pregnant. Right? Like those are always those are always the things that you hear. Those are always the things you hear. She's going to get pregnant. You're going to get an STD. There's going to be gonorrhea everywhere. Like, like that's, that's just gonorrhea everywhere. Like, that's, that's basically what is communicated. That's what's communicated from our churches. And, um, like, th- some of the, like, those are real issues. Like, some of those are real issues, and those are issues, you know, that we need to talk about, we need to address. Um, you know, the, in the United States, we lead the world in teen pregnancy. We're number one. We're number No, Okay. 28, listen to this, 28%, okay, according to the, the World Health Organization, 28% of sexually active adults in the world have herpes, 28%. And 40%, we're seeing 40% of college co-eds in America, 40% of college co-eds in America have HPV, the human papillomavirus, the most common and the most contagious sexually transmitted disease, which often gets con, uh, uh, how's that word? contracted in the throat. It gets contracted in the throat, which often leads to throat cancer. Why? Because oral sex is so much more safer than intercourse? Or is it? No, it's not. And so, those are all meaningful things that, that we have to talk about. Those are all meaningful issues that we need to face. But you see, I think this issue is so much deeper than that. That's not deep enough. Just to say, don't do that because you're going to get you're getting an STD. That's not deep enough f- for me. Why? Because even if no one gets a, a, an STD, even if no one gets pregnant, there's still an impact in your heart. There's still an impact in your life. There's an impact in your soul. There's more to sex than skin on skin. It's as much spiritual mystery as it is physical fact. And listen to me very carefully. Listen to me very carefully. If you've zoned out, zone back in. Listen to me very carefully. When you engage in sex outside of God's plan, it makes it more difficult for you to enjoy in God's plan. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, did not quote this in the Chronicles of Narnia. I didn't see it, at least. (laughs) He wrote this in Mere Christianity. That would be really weird if Lucy was like, oh, anyways. (laughs) Why am I like this? I don't know. In Mere Christianity... Which is an amazing book. You should pick it up and read, and then we should read it together because it's really hard to understand, but it's really good. Uh, He says, C.S. Lewis says, The monstrosity of sexual intercourse outside of marriage is that those who indulge in it are trying to isolate one kind of union, the sexual, from all the other kinds of union which are intended to go along with it and make up the total union. He's saying there's so much more to it than just skin on skin. He called it a monstrosity. And Paul says the exact same thing. When he continues, and he says this to the Corinthians, he continues, I think it's verse 17, he says, uh, Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, meaning we want to walk closely with him, we want to abide in Jesus as believers, he goes on to say, We must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, meaning the plan that God has for us, the marriage bed. He said, That will leave us lonely. That will leave us lonely, more lonely than ever, the kind of sex that can never truly become one. Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, and I promise you it is still true today. Jesse, can you bring bring those things up here? And I know some of you know that this is true, that this type of sex of just wanting skin on skin, like just skin on skin leaves you lonely. Uh, I went to... uh, Panama City on a mission trip. I was talking to Kelsey and Casey about this today at church. I went to Panama City on a mission trip. I might have shared this with you before. And, like, the first few nights was just crazy. Like, people everywhere partying. Yeah, can you help me? I'm kind of... I didn't get I was a kid. They just gave me mud. Parents, parents are cheap. I can't do this. Someone help me. Anyways, uh, so I was in Panama City, and the first, like, three or four days, uh, up to, like, Wednesday or Thursday... Uh, there's people partying, people going crazy. It was, like, really fun. And then as Friday hit, when people had to go home, you would see people just, like, all over the city sad. You'd see girls, like, sitting on the sidewalk just bawling their eyes out because of all the things that they had done that week. If sex was just skin on skin, that wouldn't have mattered, right? How are we doing? need all of them. Yeah, I need all of them. Yeah. It's never easy for me, Jesse. Next, next for this is my life. This is this this is my curse, that's good, man. Yeah, yeah. Right. Does anybody like Plato? Yeah. Not right now. Not right now. Gee, Sarah, I'm gonna, give me a second. Is everybody okay if this takes me two seconds? Is everybody in a hurry? I'm not in a hurry. I got two hours, so anyways, so you know, like, so people like this first lie is that sex is uh sex is just physical, right? It's just skin on skin, um, but really, sex is like. It's, it's really like a sticky note, right? Like God says the two will become one. And every time you push that, you put that sticky note on something, it loses its stickiness and there's this like residue left over. And, it's, and that's the same way with sex in our lives. Like It's it becomes harder and harder to become one with your future spouse. So it's like just like Play-Doh. Sex is like Play-Doh. Don't quote me on that. I don't know if I believe that yet. Uh, but it's like, you know, here here you are. here This is you. You know, and sex is just physical so you... Mash it up together, you know, and because remember, sex is not just physical, it's spiritual as well, and God says that the two will become one, and so then you're like with this girl and then with this guy, and then you go to break up, and uh, there's still some residue there. Like, you think it's just physical, but it's not, and so you still have some left over because two become one, two become one. So there's something spiritual. There's some spiritual connection with this person. Yes, you're forgiven. And remember, Paul's writing to Christians in in Corinth. So I'm not saying that this person, you, me, is not uh, is not a believer. But I'm saying that there is residue. There's stuff left over. There's a spiritual connection. So then, you know, you go again, and then you're with Sally. Hopefully nobody in here's hear his name, Sally. And then you're with Sally, and then you mix it up again because you think, you know, you believe in this lie that the world says that, you know, sex is just physical. And then you break up, you break up, and then it's like, uh, uh. did you notice how Sally takes a little piece of you too? That's another sermon for another day, I guess. And so now you're there, and you got... So, you know, you're saved, you know Jesus, right? Like, and I believe this. I'm saying it. I believe this. This is in my life. But he says, to become one. To become one. And so now you've already become one with other people. And then, you know, then you try to go to your spouse. And you want it to just be you and your spouse. And then your spouse comes together and it's great. And there's forgiveness for everything you've done in your past. But it's all mixed. It's all mixed up. Like there's forgiveness, but it's a lot harder. It's not impossible, but it's hard for the two to become one because when you become one with someone and you think it's just a physical act, sex is so much more than a physical act. And it leaves something inside you way more than you could possibly understand. There's a spiritual impact at the deepest level that we just cannot possibly understand. And so we're living our lives with this attachment to people, and they come up in our mind, and are like, why am I even thinking about this person? Why am I even thinking about this person? I've been married to this person for six years. Why does she pop up in my head? It's because there was a physical union. There was a spiritual union. Two became one, and so you're remembering her six years later. Forgiveness, but there's still a cost. There's always a cost. Thank you, Jesse, as I promised Sarah. And here you go. Okay. Okay. Um, so lie number two. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Y'all with me? Yeah. You got five more minutes? It's not going to be five minutes. It's going to be more than that. Okay. Okay, lie number two. Lie number two. I always lie. Uh, I don't always lie. Lie number two. Okay, you ready? Lie, lie number two. I can do what I want to do and and have what God wants for me. I can do what I want to do over here and have what God wants for me. <laughs> I can do what I want to do over here and have what God wants for me. So go with me on this. This is the idea that says I can do whatever I want. I can can do whatever I want. I can do what I'm doing now. And then when the moment's right, I can go over here and experience everything that God has for me later. It's this idea that I want to have my cake and I want to eat it too. And as, as I was going over this talk tonight, I think this is where a lot of us are. This is where a lot of us are tonight. So if you zoned out, because I think a lot of us in this room can be like, yeah, sex is more than just physical. But this is the, this is the part that I think is the, this is the one we all got to get, okay? This is the one we all got to get. We have this idea that I can go over here. I can do what I want. I can live in a way that gratifies my sinful nature. I can live in a way that the culture wants me to live. I can live in a way that my friends want me to live. And then eventually when the time is right and I want to, I can experience all of what God has for me, and that's simply not true. I don't think we would ever put it, I don't know if we would ever put it that bluntly, but that's true. I think that's true of a lot of us, true of me. Like, I think I can live over here, gratify, you know, what, just do what the culture says, and then come over here and say, oh, I, have all, I can experience what God has for me as well. And some people may have put it to you like this. Other people may have put it to you like this. You know, You know, you're young. You're just a young man, you're a young lady, just go out and sow your wild oats. Sow your wild oats. I went on a date one time, and I came back, and my dad's not a Christian, and my dad came back and was like, well, did you get lucky? I'm like, what? No, dad, no, I'm not trying to do that. He goes, man, you're young, you need to go out there doing all this stuff, and I'm like, wow, no. Or people say, you know what, you need to go have the college experience. I don't know what the he- Whenever a parent says, because I try to talk everybody out of going to college. I think you should go to college, I guess. But I try to talk everybody out of it. And I, I've had parents say, well, I don't want my son and daughter to miss out on the college experience. Oh, you don't want them to miss out on drunkenness and having sex, unprotected sex, or, or having sex and regretting that for the rest of their life? Oh, that makes sense. Anyways, that's a little soapbox. It's good to go to college. I'm going to talk you out of it because there's other ways. But, yeah. And so people say, don't miss out on the college experience. you got to sow your wild oats. Go have fun while you're young because later the old ball and chain will show up. The old ball and chain will show up and the kid will show up. Barrett, close your ears. Like, that's what people think. That's what people think, right? Like, I'm sure a lot of you have heard that. Now you have to catch this. Newsflash. Newsflash. Nobody would probably ever say this to you. The people that have told you to go sow your wild oats would probably never say this to you. But the people you know whose marriages are struggling And the people you know whose marriages have fallen apart and not worked out, it's because of the things that they did before they even met each other. The marriages of people that that you know that have broken apart or maybe they're struggling right now could possibly be because of the things that they did before they even met that person. Is that stuff sticks with you. It's a spiritual union. The two are becoming one. It might have fallen apart because of the things that they did before they ever met each other. And, you know, they got to each other and like, oh, yes, this is perfect. This is the one for me. And then they look like a perfectly paired couple. They look like they're ready. And then what? Like they get divorced or they break up. And why didn't it work out? Why didn't it work out? They look so good together. What if it had nothing to do with their relationship? But what if it had to do with everything from before? What if it had to do with everything before? And I kind of want to break it down for you like this. You see, the enemy, Satan, wants you to think that I can do whatever I want to do. This is as a believer, okay? I'm talking to as believers, okay? I'm not saying you're going to hell. I'm not saying what, any of that. I'm not saying you're not saved. But what I'm saying is that Satan will say to you as a believer, I can do what I think I want to do and live it like the culture wants me to live. And then I can come over here and have what God wants for me as well. I can do all of this. I can do all of this. And this over here is not going to change who I am. But the truth is, what you do over here, when you think you're living, just you're sowing your wild oats. When you think you're just sowing your wild oats and doing what you want over here, and then I'm going to live for, I'm going to experience the blessings of God over here. The, the issue is, is that what happens over here gets brought in over here. Because... What you you lug? What you load? You lug what you load. You lug what you load. Write this down. Put it in your brain. Get it tattooed. Don't get it tattooed. But think seriously. Write this down. You lug what you load. The experiences in your past you bring into your present because you lug what you load. Galatians. Chapter 6, verse 5 says, Every man must shoulder his own pack. Every sh- uh, man must shoulder his own pack. Every woman must shoulder her own pack. Meaning we have to live with the decisions that we make. We have to live with the decisions that we make. And then, of course, you end up packing a bag that now you got to carry, and it gets heavier and heavier and heavier, and you got to carry the darn thing. Like, are any of you, like... Uh, are any of you like my wife who, like, takes two years to pack for something? Like, my wife, you know, oh, she's still here. Um, I mean, I do that. Like, I'm the type of person where I, if I pack a bag, like, I'll do it 30, 30 seconds before we have got to leave. I'm like, I know what I want. I'm going to throw it in my bag and go, okay? But my wife will come up with these crazy scenarios. Like, we'll be going to her parents' house in Chicago, and it'll be, like, the middle of winter, and her parents don't do anything. No offense. And she's going to be like, well, I need my swimming suit, and then I might need my ice skates, and I might need this. And, like, we have all this crap that we're bringing with us. And I'm like, honey, when are you ever going to go ice skating with polar bears? That's not going to happen. You're scared of ice. You're scared of polar bears. That's never happened. But, like, she will, she, she'll, like, what if I meet the queen, or what if, you know, the pre-? like, like are you like, she will come up with these scenarios but I'm just like, you know what, I'll just buy it when I'm there. If I need it, I'll buy it. A toothbrush, I'll buy it if I need it. <laughs> I need it. I, I bring a toothbrush most of the time. <laughs> so I'm that type of person, though. Like, I, do, I, am, I, I just pack, and I'm just like underwear, uh, socks, shorts. I don't know. I, I don't know what I need. I'll, I'll figure it out later. But my wife is like the person who will pack all this stuff, all this stuff. And then I end up carrying it, obviously. But then, like, there's times where I'm like, hey, you got you to gotta lug that. You got to lug that. All that stuff that you put in there you got to lug that because you loaded it, and that's the same in life as well. What do I mean? Jesse, can you help me? Jesse's my little helper. Can you give him a round of applause? A very a very good-looking man, uh, engaged, so I just want to yeah. put that out there. Yeah, I am. So you can tell he's engaged, too, because he made sure to say it. Like, oh, I am. I am. I am, I promise. So uh, you're doing great, man. You going to put it on the backside? Yeah, I will. Okay. Yeah. So you like the Cardinals a lot? Where does yeah. that come from? Where does it come from? My grandpa. Your grandpa? That's cool. That's fine. That's fine. I'll just do it. I'll just. That's fine. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Go ahead. Go Go. sit down. <laughs> Jeez. Thank you, Jesse. So you, you, you lug what you load. The experiences in your life, you lug what you load. I don't know if I can say that enough. You lug what you load. And remember, I'm saying this is a believer, okay? I'm saying this is a person who knows Jesus. People who know Jesus is true too. But for you as a believer, so don't think Adam's up here saying, oh, I'm a Christian. He's saying these people. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this is truth because this happened to me, okay? Like, I'll tell you about it here in a second. And so, like, you you lug what you load. Like, you have this idea, I can do what I want over here, but it's not going to affect me for what God has for me, but that's not true. Because, like, you know, like that, that party one night where you're like, ooh, Red Solo Cup, Red Solo Cup, I fill you up, let's have a party. So then you have, so you, yeah, you remember the party where you drank a lot of drinks and there's a girl or a guy, I don't, you don't really remember, but that's going to go in your suitcase as well. You're going to have to lug that too. You're going to load that experience and you're going to have to lug that later in life. And then there's like Mardi Gras. I don't know if anybody goes Mardi Gras, but like there's these Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras beads, and it's like, woo! I'm I'm just young. I'm on spring break. doesn't matter. Woo! You know, the people listening to this later will have no idea what I just did, and that'll be so funny. But you know what I mean? Like, oh, who cares? It's a spring break. I'm just I'm just sowing my wild oats, right? It's just college. But remember, you lug what you load, and this goes in the suitcase as well. And then there's like the costume party, you know, where. You hopefully, hopefully you remember this. Don't take a picture of this. Like, you know, you're at the costume party, and you met that guy who was wearing the suit, and you were wearing whatever this thing is, and then you guys kind of met up. You had a drink or five or ten, and then you met up in the bathroom, and, yeah, that situation, you know, that goes in as well. And then, oh, we can't forget this, you know, and then we're at the snake pit at the, at the racetrack. And then uh, I, met that, yeah, I met that girl at the racetrack, and we were in the snake pit. Then we ended up in some other pit and uh, yeah. had that experience. I can't really remember her name. I think it was Cindy. I don't know. So that goes into your suitcase as well. And then there's just all the drinking. This is a fat tire. That's, it's, really, it's real. I'm going to drink this later. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, you know, there's a, that night you had all those drinks, and you ended up with a couple different guys, you don't even know who they were, Um, what else is in here, and then, oh, then, uh, and then there was the guy when you're at the workout place, you know, he looked cute, he winked at you, and so he he got your number, and uh, maybe she was carrying this, and uh, (laughs) three pounds, so yeah, but there's that girl at the workout place, and you guys ended up hooking up, And uh, that goes in your bag as well. And then you have all the debt because you're trying to live this lifestyle. And you're just trying to sow your wild oats. And so you rack up debt and you rack up debt. And guess what? That goes into the suitcase as well because what you load, (coughs) you will lug. All those experiences in your life, you will lug into your marriage. Friends, this has never been more true than today. Oh, I can't forget this. And you got the phone. You got the phone with pornography and all those other things. So I guess that's got to go into my suitcase because I'm going to lug that into my marriage as well. And, friends, I got to tell you something. Uh, I've shared this publicly, I think, a few times. But I was absent basically my entire life. And about three or four months before I met my wife, uh, I gave in to temptation and uh, slept with somebody. Like three or four months before I was going to meet the love of my life. And some of you in this room might think, ah, whatever, it's just a one-time thing. What does it matter? You know, what's interesting is I went downstairs to steal this from the Connection Point gym. And uh, as, as soon as I borrowed, yes, borrowed, commandeered. And uh, <laughs> as soon as I grabbed it, I got a text and a FaceTime phone call from that girl. Today. And I was going to be preaching and doing this illustration. And as soon as I grabbed that, this girl texted me. I haven't talked to her in years. You don't know, like spiritual spiritual battles are real. They're real. Because as soon as I got that text message, all of the shame and all of the guilt, I felt all of it. And that was a one-night experience. It's a lie to think that you can do whatever you want over here. And you're not going to bring that into marriage. You're you're going to, man. You're going to. All these experiences that, you know, the costume party, the snake pit, the gym guy, the gym girl. You know, the debt. Like you bring that, like the parties, like you bring all of that into marriage. So here am I. You know, I've <laughs> I've done. I have all these experiences. I loaded them all up in my suitcase. I can't zip this stupid thing up. So here am I, I got all these experiences, and guess what, here I go, I go up to the altar. Kirsten, you come up here real quick, bring the baby, (laughs) can you move this back. So here am I, I'm standing here, because I, you know, I thought I had all these experiences in college, I thought I had all these experiences that would not go into marriage with me. And here am I, I'm at the altar, and here I am standing with all the stuff that I have loaded, because you always lug what you load. And not only do I lug it around, and now she has to lug it around with me, and so does he, because it affects me years later. Guys, this is real. This is a real thing. When I got that text message today, I can't tell you what I felt. Because here's the deal. I've been forgiven. She's forgiven me. He doesn't know anything yet. (laughs) (laughs) She's forgiven me. But that guilt and shame still follows me. Satan still throws it in my face. Because I promise you, the things that you load, you will lug. The things that you load, you will lug. You can go back. Thanks. Hmm. Because here's the deal, can you grab that again? Here's the deal. You cannot sow death and reap life. You cannot sow death and reap life. You need to write that down. You need to write that down. You cannot sow death and reap life. All these decisions, you know, people are saying you're just getting your wild, your, you know, wild days out of your system. You're actually getting them into your system. Yeah, you You're getting them into your system. And why is that? Because of Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, uh, it tells us very clearly, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Reap. And so I'm going to the altar, I'm getting married, and I'm hopefully standing next to Mr. Right, I'm standing next to Mrs. Right, and I'm making all these decisions, and, and, but I'm bringing all this other junk into this relationship, into this union with me. You're bringing every single decision that you've loaded, you're lugging it into your marriage, and I promise you, it gets heavier and heavier, the more decisions, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. So please listen to me very carefully. This doesn't come from a place of I got it figured out. This comes from a place that I have screwed up so much that you have to listen. And so my prayer now is that whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever God, whoever has ears, let them hear this. Listen to me very carefully. You can't just do what you want and then experience life as God wants for you. You can you can't just do what you want and then experience life as God wants it for you eventually, because we cannot outlive our decisions. And we will find ourselves, I have to read this because I don't want to mess it up, and we will find ourselves in the future being who we slowly became one decision at a time. We cannot think that we can do whatever we want and then eventually live out and and experience all that God has for us eventually because we cannot outlive our decisions. And we're going to find ourselves in the future slowly becoming the person that we've uh, chosen to be, one decision at a time. You cannot sow death and reap life. You cannot sow death and reap life. You cannot sow sin and reap blessing. As a believer saved by God's grace, you cannot enjoy his best as you are actively choosing to live as the world lives, compounding on choice after choice after choice after choice. And see, this is, this is what the enemy wants for you. He wants you to load up this suitcase, and he wants you to bring that into marriage because, you guess, guess what? You're not going to be as effective as God wants you to be. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're going to heaven. Yes, but you are not going to be as effective because you're going to be lo- lugging so much stuff. He wants to keep you down in sin. He wants to keep you down in shame. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're going to heaven. But if you continue to live as if you can do whatever you want and have God's best, you're not going to be effective. You're not going to live to the full potential of what God has for your life. It's a lie about sex that it's a lie about sex to think that you can do whatever you want and then also experience all that God wants for you as well. That is an absolute lie. i ask the band to come up. Jesse, can you move some of this stuff? Band, go ahead, come up quickly. And there they are. looking for one more. Neely was asleep on the floor. No, she wasn't. I'm just kidding. I couldn't say that about anybody else but Neely. Uh, so I have one last point. I have one last point. I have one last point, and uh, and then I'm going to pray. And we're going to end our time together, and we're going to pick this back up in the next couple weeks. Jesse's going to uh, be preaching in two weeks. Uh, But I have one last thing I want to say. The last lie, the last lie is this. Number three, I've already messed up, so there's no hope for me. That's the last lie, that I've already messed up, so there's no hope for me. And so some of you might be feeling that right now. I'm sure there's some of us in this room who are feeling that right now. And you're hearing this and you're like, man, this is making total sense. I just wish you would have told me earlier. I wish I could have known about this earlier. Like, honestly, I wish I would have known about this in middle school, in high school. When I was in high school, our youth pastor said nothing except, like, don't touch yourself and don't look at that. Like, that's all he said. There's no, like, why do you not do this? (coughs) I wish, I wish someone would have said this to me. And quite honestly, that's why we're doing this series. Because I couldn't live with myself knowing that, that we never had this conversation. Because I would dread the day that you come to me, life's a a mess, marriage is a wreck because of the decisions that you made. And he said, I attended the net for five years, but you never talked about this. You talked about what was nice and neat and prim and proper, but you never talked about the mess that I was in, man. You never talked about the sexual things that that I would bring into my marriage. And that's why we're doing this. We have to talk about the things that are in our lives, the things that are just hitting us. And so you're here, maybe you're feeling like, uh, I messed this up, and there's no point, point. Uh, there's no hope for me. And, and in the church, and this is a good thing, but in the church, we focus so much on virginity. We focus so much on virginity. We focus so much on this, like, V-card thing. And that's a good thing. Like, we, 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 the church, we rightly want to praise the idea of saving yourself for marriage. Like, that is a good thing to abstain from marriage. Because God's going to bless that. And that's going to be <coughs> a wonderful and beautiful thing. And that's fantastic for, for those of you who, who have, you know, have made that decision. Who haven't, you know, like me, uh, went astray with that. But what about the rest of us? What about the rest of us in this room who have, who have gone there? And you say, okay, well, I'm here. That's where I am, Adam. That's where I am. What can I do? I already gave my V-card away. I already gave this away.
1: So I'm already messed up,
0: Adam. You don't I've already messed this up. So what do I do now? But what I want to say to you is this. What I want to say to you is this is that if there is hope, if there is hope for the Corinthians, if Paul wrote hope for the Corinthians, then there is hope for you too. If there is hope for the Corinthians, there's hope for you too. You see, you can't change your past. But that doesn't mean that you can't Give God a new present it doesn't mean you can't give God your present you can't change your past everybody stand up it doesn't mean you can't change you cannot change your past but that does not mean you cannot give God your present and you see your present will become a new past when you give God your present your your past your present will become a, how am I want to say that your present will become a new past so give God your present give God your right now give God your right now I mess this up. I have messed this up. Maybe you've messed this up. But there's still hope for you. You cannot un the things that you have sown. You cannot take back the things that you have done. You're going to continue to reap the things that you have sown. Every once in a while, the things that you have sown in your past are going to pop up. Like today with that person texting me. There are going to be times where things that you have sown will pop up. But if you start sowing life, eventually you will start reaping life. Start reaping life now so you can start reaping life and start reaping blessings of God in your life. You cannot undo the things that you've done. But you can start to sow something new tonight. And eventually you're going to reap life too. And God will bless you. That's why Hebrews says, let us come boldly. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so I just want to speak that over you right now, that no matter the decisions that you've made in your past, no matter what you've done, Jesus can carry that. And if he carries you, he can carry the things that you've been carrying, too. So, like, give this all to Jesus tonight. Give this all to Jesus tonight. Go over these notes that, that, that we've talked about tonight. Because you can start anew tonight where the spirit of Jesus says there is freedom and whom he sets free is free indeed. So we're going to sing another song. And I want you to start confessing those things to God. Like, God, help me to start anew. Help me to start sowing life so I can reap life. God, help me to understand that I can't just do whatever I want to do and expect to have your blessings. God, help me to understand that sex is way more than just physical. It's also spiritual. It's so spiritual. So that's what I want you to do over the next few moments as we sing.